we are looking to go somewhere that God's not wanting to take us? Or what if we're trying to stay somewhere and God's wanting us to go? You ever thought about that? What if we're just working so hard trying to get things the way that we want them and God's trying to get us to move forward? You see, we we get frustrated at times when our routines get messed up or our plans get messed up. But have you asked the question in a positive way, what is next? Have you asked that question? I'm not talking like the 2020 way, like, oh, what is next? (laughs) Okay. I'm talking about have you asked the question in the positive way, what is next? Because if you think about it, all your life you've been kind of uh, prepared in every way and in everything for you're wanting something to be next, all right? If uh, students, what grade are you in? Yell at one, two, three. So what's next? Okay, some of you are like, I'm just going to be in seventh for the next four years. And that's where I'm going to be. See, there's a problem with that, right? If we, we have some natural desire to want to progress, and then we always seem to have a plan, too, or somebody else has some standards set up for us where we understand that things are supposed to be progressing and next and going on. Now, some next we don't like. Like, I know the next pant size, and I don't want to go there. You know what I mean? There's some things that happen like that that you go, I'm not sure that that's the next that I'm looking at. But, but most everything that we're doing in life, we have some idea of what is next and what is it that you're working toward. But I want to challenge you this morning. Have you thought about that in your faith? Have you thought about what it is that God is preparing me for and shaping me for to move me to what is next in my faith. I want you to think about that this morning because I would tell you, and we're going to come back to this in just a minute, that oftentimes we get stuck in our faith because we kind of start looking at our faith in a systematic fashion of things that I'm supposed to do in my faith and we just continue to come back, if you will, to the same habits and the same processes and the same places and the same things because we find comfort there, because we like it that way. And yet God may be saying, okay, that's great, and that worked for a while, but now I want you to take this step, and I want you to go to somewhere that is next. In the context of what we've been looking at in the book of Hebrews, the writer goes to great lengths, the author of Hebrews goes to great lengths to demonstrate that God has something that's greater than where you are right now. That Jesus is greater than the greatest high priest. That Jesus is greater than Moses. That Jesus is greater than your past. That Jesus is greater than anything that you might strive to attain in this world. What God has is greater. And then today, he has some pretty direct words to the audience who's listening to this. Now, I'm just going to say this to give us a little bit of a context. The audience who he's writing to are Jews who have started to follow Christ, but think about the things that they're having to try to reconcile in their head of here's all the things that I learned as a good Jewish person growing up and now Christ has come and I'm, I'm having to learn these things. I mean, we think it's bad when we change the color of carpet in a Baptist church. These, these people are changing a lot more than that and they're having trouble moving some of these things forward. 
And so he writes in kind of a direct way. Now, I'm going to tell you this as well. Um, the book of Hebrews is, is very rich. It's very good. It's something that deserves to be read at length, at times, over and over. It takes a while for some of these things to, to sink in. And so I just remind you again um, that you're getting, you know, just a few minutes on a Sunday morning. But I would encourage you to look at this, read it in depth, follow along during the week as we do the daily devotionals, as we even dig a little bit deeper. Um, but I'll just tell you honestly, every week in this series I walk away going, I don't think I really explained everything like it's there very well. Because there's just so much to take in on this. But look at what he says today. Chapter 6, starting in verse 1, he says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary teaching about Christ and go on to maturity. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, faith in God, teaching about ritual washings, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And we will do this if God permits. For it is impossible to renew to repentance those who were once enlightened, who tasted the heavenly gift, who shares in the Holy Spirit, who tasted God's good word and the powers of the coming age and who have fallen away. This is because to their own harm they are re-crucifying the Son of God and holding him up to contempt. That means they're stuck in the same pattern. They keep doing the same thing. They're not moving. They've fallen away because they're not moving on. For the ground that drinks the rain that often falls on it and that produces vegetation useful for those for whom it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it produces thorns and thistles, it is worthless and about to be cursed. And at the end, it will be burned. Even though we're speaking in this way, dearly loved friends, in your case, we are confident of things that are better, that pertain to salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you demonstrated for his name by serving the saints and continuing to serve them. Now we desire that each of you demonstrate the same diligence for the full assurance of your hope until the end. I'm going to read that verse again. Now we desire that each of you demonstrate the same diligence for the full assurance of your hope until the end so that you won't become lazy but will be imitators of those who inherit the promises through faith and perseverance. Now I told you there's a lot there. So we're going to be here about seven hours as I explain. Oh, I'm, no, we're not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on a few things in there, but I really do encourage you, go back and let this sink in. I'm just going to paraphrase this. Here's what he's saying. Move on. We've built a foundation of faith, and you keep staying right here on this foundation. There's supposed to be something that's moving forward. He's saying, I'm not going to go back and go through the basics of this. I'm going to encourage you to move ahead in your faith. Build something on this foundation. Keep moving forward. Because with God, there's always something greater. There's always a next. And I want you to think about this, and I hope it brings hope and excitement to us. Not 
a, a thought of, oh my goodness. But for the believer in Christ, even in death, there is a next. So think about that. Our faith is built on the fact that God is constantly moving us away from our broken, sinful self to become more like him. And ultimately, when death does happen, we move on to heaven and we spend eternity with him. And then there will come a day when Christ comes back in his glory and he restores all things to as they are supposed to be. And that's where we're moving toward. There is a next that is coming. But sometimes we put our faith in this little systematic box and we stop moving forward. It's not intentional. We do it with good intentions. We do it at times where we say, oh man, I need to, I need to do this. And so I'm going I'm to develop this discipline in my life. I'm going to form this habit in my life. But if we're not careful... We get stuck on these basics and we never move forward. And so here's what the author is saying. It's time to go. It's time to go. Therefore, let us leave. He's saying, this is where you were. Now we're going to go over here. There's a place where we're trying to go in our faith. And again, I come back to this, to this idea in life if you really think about it, we always have something in our life that, man, I've just got this goal I want to reach or this thing that I want to do or, you know, I know what's coming next and I know where I'm trying to get. But do we do the same thing with our faith? Because God is saying that there is a next. You see, this is a hard part for many people when we're looking at our faith. The truth is we don't want to leave. We just want to stay right where we are. And there's a reason that we get that way. Because most of the time when we come to that realization that we need to have Christ as Savior leading our life, when we come to that realization that I am a sinner and, and I need to repent and I need to give my life to Christ so that I can find life, we're usually leaving behind a life that's broken. And we understand that and we take some steps of faith toward Christ and he begins to redeem our life. He begins to show us a new way to live. He begins to instruct us. And things begin to kind of work a little bit differently than we ever thought they could. And here's what tends to happen at times. We go, I, I like this. I'm going to stay right here. And God's going, no, there's something better. There's something more. If you'll just continue on this path, if you'll just trust me. And you're like, no, God, I'm, I'm good. Man, you saw what I was, right, God? But now I'm this and I like this. And I'm just going to stay right here. And God's going, no, there's something greater. Let me, let me illustrate it this way. How many of you would agree that heaven's going to be the greatest thing ever? Okay, so we're in agreement here on this. So if heaven, here's my imaginary board that I'm writing on. If heaven is over here and is the greatest thing ever, do you think that God's calling us to live life like this where we just kind of trudge through it and we just kind of stay right here and, we're, and one day we die and whoop, we go to heaven? 
Or do you think that God's trying to shape us into something that if we will trust him here and we begin to leave this life behind and we follow him on the path that's something greater, that the more that we follow him and the more that we become like Christ and the more that we trust him, we're just moving on toward heaven and death is just taking the next step in the transition of where he's been preparing us our whole life to be. You're going to live one way or the other. You're going to live like, well, you know, I'm just going to trudge through this life the best I can. I don't know what God's doing with me. Or you're going to believe that God actually has something greater and he wants us to move forward in faith and trust him. And we're going to leave some things behind and we're going to move toward what's ahead. Now let me give you another illustration. How many of you grew up in church, and I, and I pray that not everybody who's hearing this message grew up in church. I pray some of you go, I have no idea what you're talking about. But some of you may have, like me, you grew up in church and back in the day, you'd go to your Bible study class. We called them Sunday school. Um, we, you would go back to this thing, and you would come in, and they would check the roll. And then they had these check boxes, right? And the check boxes were, did you read your Bible every day? You got to check. Check right there. Did you invite a friend to church? Check. Got that. Did you bring an offering? Check. Got that. Check. Right. How many got that? Was anybody else like me? You lived for gold stars and checks, man. I mean, it was like, amen, I checked all the boxes this week. And now, I'm going to tell you something. I want to be real careful with this. Because the intention of those type of things is to teach you that there are some spiritual disciplines that you can put in your life that will help you grow in your relationship with Christ. But the negative of that is like me, there were times that I began to correlate this that I didn't read my Bible every day. I can't check that box. God hates me. And it would bring shame and it would bring hurt. And I, I, you're going to think, I'm, I've, you've heard me say this before. But I mean, I was so legalistic at times. When I played high school basketball, if I forgot to have my quiet time that morning, I was convinced that's why I didn't score the points that I was supposed to score that night or I was unable to defend. It wasn't that he was better than me. It was that, you know, I was unable to defend him because I forgot to read my Bible that morning. I mean, that's the correlation that I began to make. And so here's what was happening. I began to put God in a system. And the more that I put God in the system, I put him in a system so I could check a box. Because when I checked that box, I felt better. And as long as I could check all the boxes, then I felt like I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do in my faith. Because all the boxes are checked. Now, here's what's going on at this point in time in Hebrews. He's talking to people who have been living under the Mosaic law for so long that they've been checking boxes and checking boxes. And now Christ has come and said, there's a new way of doing this. There aren't any boxes to check. And they're going, I'm really uncomfortable because there's no boxes to check. There's just approaching the throne of grace with boldness. You can't go to the throne of grace with boldness. You can't even set foot on Mount Sinai when God's there. You'll die if you do that. And now Jesus is going, come on. They're like going, hmm. Guys, there's always something greater with Christ if we'll continue to take those steps. And those systems that we put in place for a time to help us grow in our faith are good if they're helping us grow in our faith. But when they become our faith, then they're not doing us any good. And that's why the writer of Hebrews continues to say here, it's time to move on from the elementary teaching Listen to the things that he's calling elementary. I don't want to, he's basically he's saying, I'm not going to spend my time teaching you these things again. Repentance from dead works, 
faith in God, teaching about ritual washings, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. It's like, I don't, I don't want to talk to you about these things every time. I, we're going to move on from these and we're going to go to the next step in our faith. So I ask you this question, is your faith moving? Is it fresh and new or is it stagnant and ritualistic? Do you find your satisfaction in your faith in Christ with filling in the check boxes Or do you find satisfaction in walking in relationship with a God who is alive and creative and makes things new every day and is calling you constantly to something greater? You see, God is still speaking, he's still creating, he's still moving, and he's still leading. That's the God he's trying to get us to follow. I love James 1.22 because it spells it out just as plain as day. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. What the writer there is trying to get through is, hey, God's constantly leading us to do new things in our faith. He gives us his word and he's leading us because God is always at work. We talked about it last week. God's intelligence is greater than our intelligence. His creativity is greater than our creativity. And it's worth saying again, there's nothing we've come up with, invented or done on this earth that caused God to go, wow. God's going, you're playing catch up. If you would hurry up and follow me, you will see things that are so much greater than that. So, We need to understand, following Jesus will lead me to something greater. You can apply that statement to any and every situation in your life. Following Jesus will lead me to something greater. The author here in Hebrews writes these words, In your case, we're confident of things that are better. In your case, we're confident of things that are better and that pertain to salvation. You see, God is constantly wanting to lead us to something greater, to something new. But here's the struggle that we have, is that we reach a point where we say, I just kind of like it here. And it's comfortable here. And God's saying, man, if you'll just take that next step of faith, I'll lead you to something else. But we're like, hmm, comfortable. And I've talked about this before in this series, but it's worth mentioning again. I believe that the struggle that we're going to have in our particular culture and in our particular way of living, and this is not true globally, but for us, our comfort's going to keep us from taking more steps with God than anything else. God's going to say, hey, will you trust me with this? And we're going to go, no, I kind of like this. I'm comfortable right here. And we're not going to take that next step forward. You see, our faith should be new all the time. All over Scripture you find demonstration after demonstration of progress, of new, of moving toward something. I love the way that Peter puts it. In 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 5, this is how he writes. He says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness. Goodness with knowledge. Knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. You see that? That makes someone like me very happy. There's a path. There's a plan. I see a plan. 
I'm supposed to be working on these things in increasing measure. You never get enough of them. And this is what he says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody ever wants to go, hey, I'm useless and unfruitful. That's not a goal of ours. We're wanting to be moving forward, but I'm just going to say it this way. If we're only living a check-the-box life with Christ, we're useless and unfruitful. Because God is constantly calling us to something greater. And the question is, do I really believe that God is doing that? Or am I just going to stay satisfied with where I am? You see, we need to understand the journey is filled with next steps. The journey of faith with Christ is filled with next steps. They are constant. God is constantly wanting us to take a next step. We celebrate. We go, man, I used to not do this and now I do this. And God goes, good, there's something greater. And we go, mm, I like this one. I don't know that I want to do that. But we're constantly, whether you do it consciously or not, we're constantly asking God the question, what's good enough? And he's saying the next step, the next step, the next step. And it's not that God is some sadistic parent up there who's always moving the line to get satisfaction so he can pat you on the head. He already loves you completely. He's done everything for you. This is not a matter of earning God's love. This is a matter of finding the life that God has for us. If we truly believe that we are sinners and we are in need of a saving God and by believing in Jesus Christ that we are going to follow him in life and it will one day end up where we are in heaven with him, then we have to believe that in following him and moving closer to him, we're constantly growing in the life that he has more for us more and more and more and more. The journey is filled with next steps. That's why he writes at the end of this passage, we want to demonstrate the same diligence for the full assurance of your hope until the end. Until the end. Let me ask you this question. And you stop for a minute, think about this seriously. When is the last time that you took a significant step of faith? Can you think of it? Can you think of the last time when you can really sit there and go, okay, I really felt like God was leading me here and I, was, I just didn't know what to do. And so I just trusted him and I took that step of faith. Because if, if the last time that you took that significant step of faith was the moment that you gave your life to Christ as Savior, and there's been some years and decades between that, and that's the last significant step, I can tell you he's wanting you to do something more. So just think about it this way. I met my beautiful bride when she was 15 and I was 16. We got married when she was 18 and I was 19. We're now not 18 and 19 anymore, okay? But if we still lived like we were 15 and 16 and we still treated our relationship like we were 15 and 16, y'all would look at us and go, y'all are weird. Something is wrong. Because in a relationship, especially after 30 years of marriage, I'll let you do that math. After 30 years of marriage, 
you would hope to see some progress and some things and you walk on this journey and there should be some fruit of that and some development of that, some things that you could see. Not like you're acting like a couple of 15 and 16-year-olds still. But yet in our faith, oftentimes, we're still acting like we just met God. And that's why the writer's going, I'm not even going to go over this with you anymore. We're not sticking with the foundation. Move on. Build something on this foundation that has been laid, and that's where we're going to move forward. Take the next step. Now look at it this way. Jesus writes this in John 15. He says these words in John 15. Starting in verse 1, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And look at this next verse. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. I'm going to pause there for just a second. Let's make this into a a relevant application for us. So what are we doing as a follower of Christ? When we start to follow him and that fruit begins to grow in our life, we go, oh, fruit. This is awesome. I like this. This is great. And God goes, yeah. I'm going to take this area of your life that's starting to grow and we're going to prune it. So that more things can grow. And we go, no, 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 no. I like that branch. My favorite branch. This branch is good. Prune these other things. Do some over here. And God goes, "Mm mm-mm. You're producing fruit over here. So it's time to have a little pruning so that more things can happen. See, there's the part of the Christian faith that we don't like. Is that God's continually moving us to something greater. And sometimes the way that he does that is he takes what we have and where we are. And he says, okay, that was good for a season. Now leave that behind and trust me with something else. And we go, I don't know that I want to do that because I I really like this. But his words constantly speaking of progress, moving forward, becoming more like him. He prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. He goes on to tell his disciples, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he's thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they're burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. And look at verse 8. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Hey, Pastor, um, so... I believe in God, and, and I'm, I'm really wanting to live out my faith. And so what does it look like to be a Christian? Produce much fruit and prove to be his disciple. So I just need to go to church, and, and I need to just be about produce much fruit. And understand that at the first of this, he said, when you start producing fruit in that area, God goes, oh, sweet, you're producing fruit. I'm going to help you produce more by pruning this. That means the more that we start to follow Christ... See, now here's the part where people start to go, I don't know that I want to be a Christian because I don't want to give up. And you can fill in the blank. And that's what they view their Christianity as. But what God's saying is, man, as you begin to learn and to grow and you're connected in me and things begin to develop in your life, 
you don't need this anymore, so if you'll trust me, I'll prune that off and I will give you something greater. But you're never going to have that something greater until you trust me and let me prune that off of your life. But once I prune that out of your life, then something more will grow there and we'll work on something else. You see, there's not this we achieve it. We're constantly moving toward Christ if we're striving to follow his word. But sometimes we run from the pruning. Sure, it's tough. It is. But it's going to produce fruit. And we have to understand if we're going to glorify God, we have to produce fruit. And so some of you would say, okay, what does that mean, produce fruit? Well, it's multifaceted. But the bottom line is simply this. Make disciples. If you have God's word, then now you want to pour that into someone else. Well, hold on, Pastor. Doesn't that just mean we're supposed to grow in our faith and our knowledge and, and we just come to church and we learn more things and we do? Well, that's part of it. But what it truly means is go make disciples. And I'm just going to go ahead and say this. What the writer of Hebrews is saying right here is we keep going over the basics of faith and you should actually be teaching these things to other people by now. So I'm just going to tell you this, and I'm being as honest as I possibly can. If you're feeling like, man, I really want to grow in my faith, I really want to learn more, then teach someone. You got little online cards or we're available, go, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to teach. Because some of you look at it and go, well, I can't teach because I don't know enough. I don't know enough either, and I'm up here talking every week. Because it's God that's doing the work, not me. And so you want to begin to grow in your faith, then we have plenty, children's classes and student classes and adult classes that need people to step up and lead. And you know what's going to happen when you get in there? They're going to ask you hard questions that you don't know the answer to. And if you're a great leader, you know what you're going to do? You're going to go find the answers to that. You're going to teach them that. You know what's going to happen? You're going to have grown in your faith and they're going to grow in theirs. And that's how this works. But we keep looking at it like, well, I'm supposed to sit and do these things for a certain amount of time. And the writer of Hebrews is going, go, go, leave, go, move. Quit going back to the basics. As a matter of fact, he's so frustrated with them at this time. He's going, I'm not even going to go over this anymore. We got to be moving forward. So here's what we need to understand. God is calling us to something greater. We're either going to take him at his word or we're not. We're either going to believe there's something else or we're going to stay right where we are. God's not interested in our rituals. He's not interested in our disciplines. All of those things are good for a season. But if they become the apex of our faith, then they are no longer doing us any good. What we should be about is one thing and one thing only, glorifying God by producing fruit. And the way that we produce fruit is take his word and give it to other people. You see, because my relationship and my faith, my faith is built on a relationship, not ritual. My faith is built on relationships, not rituals. So hear me on this. Don't get stuck by trying to systematize your faith. Look for the person more than the practice, and you'll begin to find life. Stop asking, what do I need to do to grow my faith? And start asking, who do I need to know? And you'll begin to take that step. The person is more important than the practice. Practices are good. I'm not anti-practice. I'm not anti these things. But it's leading us in a relationship with Christ. And when we follow him, we'll find that there's always something greater that he's calling us to. Would you bow your heads for me for just a second?